Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's good to see you all. Welcome to Emmaus. We're thrilled that you are here with us together worshiping our Savior. Um, Christmas Eve, wow, what a special time. Um, as you probably know, we're not providing any child care for the service, and unfortunately, we don't have a cry room. So if you have a fussy child, the best we can offer is our lobby. Um, you can just step out into the lobby if, if you prefer. So we don't want to drive you out, but just so you know, that's, uh, that's the best we got tonight. Um, and we will not be collecting an offering this evening. We don't want any of our visitors to feel any pressure uh, to give by passing a basket or something like that. However, <laughs> um, some of you probably have brought a gift for the Lord tonight. Um, I know some people like to worship that way on Christmas Eve. So there are baskets uh, up front on the stage. And um, after the service, you can leave your gift there if you would like, and the ushers will collect your gift after the service. And uh, with that said, let's, let's pray together. Um, <clears throat> we, have, we have read about you, Lord Jesus. We have sung about you, Lord Jesus. Um, please accept our worship and, and be with us now. Be with us now, Lord, as we look into your word further, and we ask that you would grant us understanding, and we ask that in your name, Lord Jesus, amen. So we have um, read the details about the birth of our Savior, Um, the angel to Joseph, call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, call him Jesus, call him Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves. God saves, the Lord saves. Name him Yahweh saves, for he will save his people from their sins. Gabriel to Mary, he will be called the Son of the Most High, the Son of God, showing equality with God. The second person of the Trinity come to earth. In Nicaea in 325 AD, the whole worldwide church got together and said, who is this Jesus? And they said he is God of God. Light of light, very God of very God, being of one substance with the Father. Isaiah said he is everlasting Father, eternal Father, mighty God, Prince of Peace. His name is also Emmanuel, God with us. The angel to the shepherds, a Savior is born for you who is Christ the Lord. Mashiach Adonai, or Yahweh, Mashiach Yahweh, Messiah God. The Apostle John says, light is coming into the world, piercing the darkness. John calls Jesus the light of the world. Jesus calls himself the light of the world. This is no ordinary child. This is God. The second person of the Trinity who is eternal added a human nature. 2,000 years ago, in the womb of the Virgin Mary in order to save us from our sins, to rescue us. And that's why we sing, and that's why we celebrate, and that's why we're here, and that's what Christmas is about. And we call this season Advent, which means to come to. God comes to us. We we were helpless and hopeless on our way to hell. And he came, he joined himself with human nature to come, step into his own creation to save us. Man, that is love. 
So what I want to do is, is look at the shepherd's response, the shepherd's reaction to the advent, to the good news of the arrival of Emmanuel, proclaimed to them by the angels, which David read a few minutes ago. There's two things I want us to see from, from the shepherds, and that is the shepherds rush to Bethlehem and the shepherds testimony in Bethlehem. So two points, if you will. The first one, the shepherds rush to Bethlehem. Verse 15 says this, Luke 2.15, when the angels had gone away from them into, into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. The angels went away into heaven. Uh, they had been dispatched by God. Uh, angel in, in the Greek, angelos, it simply means messenger. And these angels are ready They're ready at a moment's notice to go when God dispatches them to bring news. And uh, we know that Gabriel was sent to Mary, and then we know that uh, Gabriel was sent to Zacharias, and the angel was sent to Joseph to give them this news about, about the Christ. And God dispatched an angel to talk to these shepherds, to announce it to these shepherds, and then the glory of the Lord shone all around him, and then a whole multitude of heavenly hosts showed up. Wow! proclaiming this incredible message. The shepherds say to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then to see this thing that has happened. Not to see if this thing has happened, but to see this thing that has happened. They, they, they have no doubt. This thing the Lord has made known to us. It's interesting, the Lord trusts these shepherds, and they're blown away by that. The Lord trusts us. Nobody else trusted shepherds. They were the dregs of society. They were not trusted at all in this culture. But God trusted them to deliver this message in Bethlehem. After they heard the message of of salvation, of their Savior, they made it known. You know, after you hear the message, after you have heard the message tonight, make it known. You know, don't walk away. And James says that, uh, you know, some people look intently into the Word of God and then they walk away and forget, like a man or woman looking in the mirror in the morning and walk away and forgetting what they look like. They look momentarily into the Word of God and then they walk away and and forget. You know, I, I went to church twice in my life growing up that I can remember twice. My parents were not Christians. I remember going to church when I was about 10 years old. That was the second time I went. The first time I was about eight. And I heard this message, and I was like, you know, it sounds like there's something to this. And then I walked away. And it wasn't until I was 26 years old that I walked back into a church and heard the message again, and received the message. But I wasted 16 years of my life away from the Lord. Verse 16 says this, Luke 2.16, So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. They came in a hurry, they rush, they run to Bethlehem. When you hear this kind of news, You don't delay. As I'm saying, you run to Jesus. You know, the other thing is I remember being a teenager and people, 
you know, talked about the Bible. My sister had a Bible. People talked about, about the Bible. And I would say, you know what? Someday when I'm older, I'll check that out. Someday when I'm older, I'll see what it's all about. I mean, you know, like maybe, maybe when I get out of high school, no, no, maybe after college. I mean, that's when you do that, right? After, no, maybe after, maybe after I get married. Or maybe after I have kids. Well, you know, with kids, it's so busy and everything. You know, the kids are driving me crazy. I don't know. Maybe I'll just wait till they're grown. And you know, you just delay and delay and don't delay. Run to Jesus. Do what these shepherds did. They seek and they find. If you seek, you will find. It's true. They, they hear it. They seek. They find, they find out it's true, just as it had been told them. They see what had been told to them. My wife Katrina has a, um, a t-shirt that I love. It's the manger scene on the shirt, real simple, and it just says a true story. It's a true story. A lot of false narratives in the world. This is a true story. When you seek, you will find it's a promise from God. And listen, you will find all that you've ever longed for. Everything that you're searching for, everything that you long for is right in front of you. Don't walk away from this service. Don't walk away from this night. Don't celebrate tomorrow without receiving the Savior. And they found it just as had been told, just as had been told them. Mary, Joseph, and the baby in a major in a feeding trough. The humiliation of Christ in a feeding trough. The shepherds rush to Bethlehem, and the shepherds give their testimony in Bethlehem. That's the second point. The shepherds' testimony in Bethlehem, verse 17, says this, Luke 2.17, when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. So their testimony mattered. Their testimony mattered to God. And what a contrast Shepherd's testimony wasn't admissible, even it wasn't admissible in law court. And then God, the creator of the universe, says, Well, I want your testimony to matter in Bethlehem. These people were the dregs of society. They were throwaways. Nobody thought anything of them. Nobody wanted to listen to them. And those are the people that God uses. Those are the people who God uses. My daughter gets on to me about my grammar, so <laughs> she's an attorney. We are the people God uses. And, uh, you know, I do remember going into church at 26 years old and feeling just so dirty, like such a rotten sinner. Like, I can't go in there. Uh, Those people, (laughs) you're going to laugh. Those people are all holy. They're all perfect. I don't belong here. I've shared this with the congregation before. I thought the pastor could look right in my eyes and see right into my soul what a rotten person I was. And people have told me, well, I can't, I can't go to church. The, the walls will, will crumble. The ceiling will fall in if I walk into a church. No, no. He seeks sinners. He eats with sinners. The woman at the well. The truth is, Jesus says, you've had five husbands, and the man that you're with now is not your husband, and he reveals himself to her as the Messiah. Mary, a peasant, a teenage peasant girl. Joseph, a construction worker. Bethlehem, too small to be of the clans of Judah. A stall. God, God uses 
God uses small things. God uses the things that are not to shame the things that are. God uses people like us, people like you and me, ordinary people, to testify about him. The shepherds are not worried about what people think. The news is too great. Good news, euangelion, the gospel. Good news of great joy for all the people. For today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born for you who is Christ the Lord. God has come to rescue us from a world full of sin and misery and rescue us from death. Everybody's afraid to die. We try to act like we're not. We try to stay so busy and so entertained that it's just gets to the back of our minds. Right? We don't even call it we don't even call it a funeral anymore. We don't even say people died. He passed. It's a celebration of life. No, people die. And it's ugly. And Jesus came and offers the cure for death. I remember my grandfather died at 92 years old, and I used to tell him about Jesus all the time. He didn't want any part of it. He didn't want anything to do with it. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. And I was in the hospital when he was dying, and he was on his deathbed. He could barely speak. And he was saying, as I leaned in closer and closer, saying under his breath or with his last breath, what's the right way? What's right way. Because ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, that day will come for you. And you want to know what's the right way. This is the right way. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it's the only way. But we're also scared to to do what these shepherds did, aren't we, to tell people? I mean, we have the cure for death. Another thing, if you're if you're part of Emmaus Church, you, you've heard me say this before, but you know everybody's everybody's wanting the cure for cancer. Wouldn't that be amazing if they found the cure for cancer? My wife read me something a few weeks ago talking about you know they think they're close to having a cure for cancer. Can you imagine this? You have the cure for death. If someone is cured of cancer, it's wonderful. You know, some of some of us have had it. Some of us have it. It's wonderful, but that person still dies. You have the cure for death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Paul, the Apostle Paul, taunts death because of Jesus Christ and what he has done. Rush to share it, the good news of great joy. When Lazarus died, Jesus' good friend, his sister Martha, met Jesus and was saying, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus says this to her, John eleven twenty five 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Eternal life is offered to you. Do you believe this? Verse 18, Luke two eighteen. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. They wondered. They, they were literally, they were amazed. They believed the good news. And you know what? That's what happens. People actually believe it. You don't think they will. You think they're going to mock you and make fun of you and ridicule you. But many people will believe it. 
I would venture to guess every single person in here who's a Christian didn't really listen to a sermon and get converted. You probably heard it from a friend or a family member. That's God's way. The Savior is Christ the Lord, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Mild he lays his glory by. Right? Philippians 2. He lays his glory by. He sets aside his divine prerogatives, not his attributes. Of course, he, he doesn't cease to be God, but he joins himself to human nature. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. What? It's the greatest news you could ever hear. That's why it's called the good news. Gospel means good news. That's why it's called the good news. Verse 19, but Mary treasured all these things, Luke 2, 19, but Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. What a contrast, all the, all the commotion in, in Bethlehem, the hustle, the bustle of the crowds, they're, they're all there for the census. And Mary's pondering, right? Mary's mulling these things over, thinking, she's thinking them, them through. I can't imagine call on her life to do this. She's putting them together. The angels visit to Joseph. Mary's child, Joseph, is of the Holy Spirit. Gabriel's visit to Mary. He shall, your child shall be the son of God. He'll have an eternal kingdom. He'll sit on the throne of his father David forever. Mary's visit to Elizabeth. Elizabeth says, how is it that the mother of my Lord, <laughs> the mother of my Lord would come to me? Her experiences in Bethlehem, the fulfillment of Micah 5 2. I mean, Mary knew the scriptures. Have you read the Magnificat from Luke 1? She, I mean, she knew the scriptures when she knew theology. I mean, she tells us in the Magnificat what theologians for centuries have been trying to figure out that this one is the fulfillment of the promises to Abraham. And that those who are of faith are the children of Abraham. She knew the scriptures. And 500 years before Christ, Micah writes this. 500, you know, the Bible is the only supernatural book in the world. If you don't believe some preacher, believe the Bible. It tells the future. No other book does that. Micah 5, 2. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Mary knows that. She's in Bethlehem with his baby. The shepherds report what the angels spoke to them. A Savior has been born, Christ the Lord. From Genesis 3.15, the first messianic prophecy you, Satan, will strike him on the heel, but he, the seed of the woman, will crush your head. From Genesis 3.15 until this moment, the story of Christ has been unfolding. This thing has happened. And finally, verse 20, Luke 2.20, the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as, just as had been told them. The shepherds went back. I mean, they went back to their lives, praising God for all that they had heard and seen just 
as had been told them. You couldn't shut them up. That's what happened to me. That's when God came into my life, you couldn't shut me up. Oh, people probably, I drove them nuts. But I know people to this day that are Christians because you couldn't shut me up. What has been told has happened. What was told to the prophets and by the prophets have happened. You know, by the way, there's over 300 prophecies about Christ. You know, it's impossible for him not to be the Christ. And some people, you hear people say all the time, do the math. Listen, man, just do the math, right? Do the math. If you, you know, do the math. It's an impossible probability that he's not the Messiah. What was told to the prophets and by the prophets has happened. What was told to the angels and by the angels has happened. What was told to Zacharias and Elizabeth and by them has happened. What was told to Mary and by Mary has happened. What was told to Joseph has happened. What was told to the shepherds and by the shepherds has happened. What was told to us tonight has happened. Let us go back and glorify and praise God for what we have heard and what we have seen. So, yeah, you're here on Christmas Eve. Um, It's a cool thing to do on Christmas Eve, go to a candlelight service. I know. And, And thank God that it is. But just know that your life hangs in the balance. And the reason I'm talking like this is because there are a lot of people who go to church on on, um, Christmas and Easter, and that's it. And so I feel like I have an opportunity to talk to some of you who don't know the Lord, okay? Run to him. It's true. And listen, um, to those of you that do know him, God has, has chosen us to change the world to bring the good news of great joy. Death is dead. I love that Paul taunts death. (laughs) Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Jesus truly is the light of the world. He says this, John 8, 12, then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. And he shares his light, his life with us. He gives us his Holy Spirit. You know, you're the temple of the whole, you're the temple of God. Are you kidding me? So he, he takes his light and he gives it to us. He dwells inside of us. This is Matthew 5, uh, 14 through 16 from the Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works, your love and your joy, see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I know some of you have been lighting your lights which is what we're going to do now. If Aaron would come forward um, while singing Silent Night, we'll light our candle symbolizing our reception of the light and taking that light out into a dark world and loving people and telling them about the light of the world. So if you can locate your candle now, you can go ahead and 
Light it up.